Please be seated. So this is, as I said during the announcements, the first Sunday in the Lenten season. We have a little less than 40 days now to do some heart surgery together. The focus of this 40 days is confession and repentance. And because it's confession and repentance, we have to examine what it is that requires us to confess and repent. It's not a popular subject these days, even in church, but I want to talk to you this morning about sin. I know. Good morning. If you were at Bible study this last time, I mentioned that the book of Romans is a systematic theology. It's the practical application of your faith as Christians. How do you know how to be a Christian? Well, you study Romans. And in Romans, it talks about sin in chapter 5. Let me read you what it says. This is Romans 5, 12 through 19. It's in your bulletin in a different version, but I think you can follow along well enough. This is what Paul writes. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all mankind because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not counted against anyone when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the violation committed by Adam, who is of a type, him who was to come. But the gracious gift is not like the offense. For if by the offense of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one offense, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the gracious gift arose from many offenses, resulting in justification. For if by the offense of the one death reigned through the one, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So then, as through one offense, the result was condemnation to all mankind, so also through one act of righteousness, the result was justification of life to all mankind. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. That is an excellent pas uh, passage of Scripture. Pastor, what does it mean? 
Paul is telling us in this original systematic theology explaining throughout the entirety of this letter of Romans the process and the practice of your faith, of Christianity. And while the synoptic gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, give us the teachings of Jesus, and the gospel according to John gives us what it all means in a deeply spiritual way, the epistle of Romans outlines for us how it all works. That's a helpful thing to have, isn't it? So here in this chapter, Paul is explaining to us how the original sin committed by the first Adam, the first man, with a whole lot of help from the first woman, Eve, how that original sin has impacted all of humanity, including us, even to this day. And Paul contrasts the impact of the original sin with the impact of the second Adam, the second man, Adam means man, the second man, Jesus, who through the atonement of his perfectly sinless life and death on the cross, wiped the debt clean for all of us, all of humankind, forever and ever. One man brought in sin, and through one man, sin was cast out. So in these verses, Paul says, you know, the story of how Adam landed us all in this dilemma that we're in first sin, then death, then no one exempt from either sin or death. You know, that guy, Adam, that sin disturbed our relationship with God and everything and everyone. The extent of that disturbance was not clear until God spelled it out in detail to Moses, which is how we got the law. Remember, thou shalt not this and thou shalt not that. That's how we came to know, to know as, as human beings what sin was. It's a baseline. Don't do these things. That's sin. Following the introduction of sin into the human experience, then came death. The, the result of sin is always death, both spiritual and physical. And so death is a, a huge abyss, a huge chasm that separates us from God. It, it dominates the landscape and has since the days of Adam into the days of Moses, where God made us aware of what sin was. And even those who didn't sin exactly as Adam did by disobeying this specific command of God, even those who didn't specifically sin against the command of God, they still had to experience the consequences of that original sin. Which leads, by the way, to the termination of our life and our separation from God. 
The thing is, this Adam who got us into this also points ahead to us, to the one who can get us out of it. Adam is typical of every one of us and Eve. They represent the sinful condition of all humans everywhere. So we have original sin and then we have actual sin. Original sin is what got us into this mess. Actual sin is how we keep perpetuating it. Jesus stands for the justification of all people who receive him by faith. Justification, that's a legal word. How are we justified in the presence of of a holy and righteous God if we are born into original sin? And the answer is Jesus Christ. The story of redemption from sin is really the story of of these two men, Adam and Jesus. The first one who disobeyed God and took the whole human race down the wrong path and the other one, the second one, who obeyed God Uh, who obeyed God and provided justification, salvation for all who turn away from sin and turn in faith to him. And it doesn't matter how terrible and devastating the sin of the first man was, the work of the second man, the redemptive work of Jesus in his life and his death on the cross reversed the consequences of that sin. And the thing about it is, it is still, even to this day, and will forever be reversing the consequences of all sin, restoring anyone, whosoever, believes on him to the favor and the righteousness of a holy God. Adam got us into the mess. Jesus is the way out of the mess. And all we have to do, very simply, is grasp, and this is what Lent is about, we have to grasp the seriousness of the human condition of sin that we find ourselves in because of the first man, Adam, so that we can understand just how very much each of us needs the grace and mercy and redemption that's only made possible by the second man, Jesus. Lent is about searching internally for those trespasses, those sins, those things that are not of God, that are rooted in us somehow, searching for those, plucking them out of our hearts and placing them at the base of the cross where Jesus can pick them up and dispose of them properly. And then we have room. Once we get all the bad stuff out, we have room for the good stuff. And we invite the good stuff in. Jesus, be Lord of my life. We invite the good stuff in. 
and we are transformed from sinner to redeemed. And that's why Paul says that the gift is not like the trespass. It's, it's not a one-for-one one exchange, exchanging the bad for the good. It's much better than a one-for-one one exchange. We get the, the best part of that deal. Because Paul explains to us here that there's a different difference between the results of Adam's sin and the results of Jesus' redemptive work. He says the rescuing gift is not exactly parallel to the death-dealing sin. If one man's sin put crowds of people at the dead end abyss of separation from God, just think what God's gift poured through one man Jesus Christ will do. There's no comparison between that death-dealing sin and this generous, life-giving gift. The verdict on the, the one sin was the death sentence. The verdict on the many sins has followed with this wonderful eternal life sentence for all of us. If death got the upper hand through this one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes? Not just life, but abundant life, sovereign life, and those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift this grand setting everything right that was wrong gift that the one man Jesus Christ provides to us. Just as one person did it wrong and got us all into trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got, it, got us out of it. Does that make sense? One man said no to God and put many people in the wrong. One man said yes to God and put many people in the right forever. So what do we do with this systematic theology that Paul's given us? What do we do with this gift of redemption that God's given us through Jesus? These are questions that we need to reflect on during these 40 days of Lent. Because sin and death are the order of the day for all humankind. That's the reality, the inconvenient truth of sin. Eternal separation from God is where all of us are headed because of our sin, except that Jesus has paid that debt for all of us. And you and I can receive that free gift of redemption by simply confessing with our mouth and believing in our heart that Jesus did in fact suffer and die, was buried in the tomb, and on the third day was resurrected. If you believe that in your heart of hearts and you confess Jesus as Lord with your mouth, the Bible says that you are justified. You are saved in the sight of a holy and righteous God. That's no small thing. When we do that, our sin debt is paid in full. All of it is wiped clean. 
Sin is cast as far as the east is from the west. Cast into the deepest depths of the sea. Remembered no more by God. The only ones who remember the sins of the past, well, are us. Because for some reason, even though God's forgiven them when we believe on Jesus, we just like to hang on to them. Why do we hang on to the things that God has cast into the deepest depths of the sea, never to be remembered again? Why do we keep resurrecting them? I can tell you why. Doubt. Fear. For some of us, our sins and our trespasses are a security blanket. They're familiar. We hang on to them because we're comfortable with the familiar. Jesus is telling us, let go of those things. I paid that debt. You don't have to go on paying. So what must we do from the moment we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior? What we have to do is commit to learning all that we can, sharing all we can to whoever we can, continue to grow in Christ, continue to be more and more like Jesus, living our lives according to his example, loving God, loving our neighbors as ourselves. This is what we're called to do as Christians. One man, one sin, one trespass, condemnation for all. One man, one act of righteousness, justification and freedom for all. Because of Jesus, we've gone from all people in sin to all people in Christ for those that accept him. Do you want to be a person in sin and death or do you want to be a person in truth and life? Do you want your family to exist in sin and death? Do you want your family to exist in truth and life? Do you want your neighbor to exist in sin and death or do you want your neighbor to exist in truth and life? It seems like a no brainer, but as I said, a lot of people like to hang on to their trespasses. For some reason, they don't want to let go of them because they're comfortable in their sin. In fact, they'll go to great lengths and a lot of effort to convince you that you need to affirm their sin as good and right. Instead of loving them too much to allow them to continue in their sin. So what do we do with all of this that Paul has given us in this scripture today? The first thing we have to do is we have to live lives worthy of the gift of life that we have been given. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is we have to share this gift of life 
our testimony with anyone who will listen. So that they too have an opportunity to choose life. It's not difficult to understand, but it is difficult to put into action. It's difficult to put into action because well, it means I, I have to step out of my comfort zone. I have to be willing to share things about myself. I have to share my testimony, which always involves a transition for us. It, it's where I used to be and where I am now. And for some of us, most of us, I would suspect there are things in our used to be that we're glad they're in our used to be and we really don't want the light of day shining on them. But I have realized and I have a lot of things in my used to be that I'm not particularly proud of, but what I am proud of is that I serve a merciful God who loved me enough not to leave me in my sin. And when I receive the justifying grace of God my response to his love and mercy and grace was, I've got to tell somebody. I have to tell somebody of this magnificent, marvelous love of Jesus Christ. That who I, even though I was a sinner, loved me anyway. Jesus has called you in response to his love for you. He's called you to share your testimony. He wants you to do some introspective heart surgery this season, and he wants you to share the results of his love and mercy in your life with someone who needs to know him. And so my unofficial tagline for the Lenten season is, it's Lent. Are you ready? This is a season of preparation for the great victory of Easter that we all get a share in because we have accepted Jesus as Lord. We have a share in the resurrection. How do we keep that to ourselves? Why would we keep that to ourselves? Are you ready to share the victory of Jesus in your life so that someone else may have a share in that victory? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand and sing our final hymn this morning.